<laughs> no, no, we don't have any uh, Voo mugs. We don't have <laughs> we don't have Voo t-shirts. No, no mouse pad. No, no, we don't have Voo pins. Nothing. We have no merchandise. We're a merchandiseless po- podcast. That's right. We're just a homespun uh, little podcast coming to you from Ice Station, Indiana. Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, mostly, mostly. Uh, But what we do have is the Better Than the Super Bowl Halftime Show blend of coffee, current events, faith, and FSU sports. (laughs) I know it's a low bar. I get it. I get it. (laughs) But you have to admit, it's better than that halftime show. Wow. Wow. Hey, welcome aboard, everybody. It is Vu, your voice of one. It's Monday, February 8th, year of our Lord, 2021, and we're in it together. That's what they say. Hey, speaking of that Super Bowl, man, the pregame, the pregame. Whoa, my goodness. Wow. Uh, so, so much that could be said, but I won't. But I did read, I mean, did you see where... Uh, did you see where Biden and his wife made a statement, a you know, kind of a film statement, right, that was played inside the stadium, something about COVID and all this. And I was at a party with friends and everything. We didn't really hear it. We saw it. was We didn't really hear it at all. But I've read in more than one place that uh, inside the stadium, people were booing, booing. Uh, I don't know if they were Kansas City fans who were booing, or but but I can tell you this: Tampa, Florida itself, uh, that's Trump territory. I mean, Trump Trump took uh, yeah Trump Trump took Florida. It was over pretty. No, I know I know Fox News didn't call it early. Uh, have they ever called it? I don't know. I mean, they waited as long as possible, uh, but it was it was over pretty pretty early in Florida and. Uh, it went, because when you, tr- trust me, as a Floridian, when you run up the numbers he ran up in, in Dade County, uh, it's over. It's over. Uh, so uh, it was over pretty early, uh, even though you didn't hear about it on uh, Fox News. So anyway, I got, I, he was booed, apparently. Now, as for the game, I mean, all I can say is, and I think I said this before, you just don't vote or bet. I'm not a betting man, but you just don't bet against Brady. You just don't. In a big game, you just don't You don't bet. And he turned out to be the MVP. I mean, that game wasn't close. I really think the MVP was the Bucks' defense. I mean, don't you? I mean, the Bucks' defense, wow. You talk about Mahomes just on the run. Who would have imagined that, that Kansas City would only score nine points? I mean, Arians, Bruce Arians, head coach of uh, Tampa, he thought they that uh, Tampa needed 40 points. He thought if they could get to 40 points, they would win. Turns out they only needed to get to 10. Uh, wow, that defense. So, um, nevertheless, uh, uh, Brady uh, and, the, and the Bucks and Super Bowl itself, actually, is uh, already under attack by the woke mob. That's right. The the well, not so much the mob. I'm sure the mob is involved in it, but the, but uh, to not to put too fine a point on it, but uh, uh, specifically, we're talking about the niece of Kamala Harris. Yeah, this is a uh, uh, in conservative opinion. The conservativeopinion.com headline: uh, Niece of Kamala Harris blasts Super Bowl as team with racist name 
versus team with Trump supporting star player. That's her tweet. That, that was a tweet that she sent out. Her name is Mina, M-E-E-N-A, Mina Harris. Yeah, she tweeted out, uh, team with racist name versus team with Trump supporting star player. Did I get that right? She tweeted. And then she tweets, uh, for people telling me to lighten up, maybe I'll consider it after the NFL denounces white supremacy and apologizes directly to Colin Kaepernick. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then, of course, they're pointing out that, uh, I guess, when they got off the plane or went somewhere, did something, uh, Tom Brady was not wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. And, of course, at what, how old is, is he? He's 40, 42, 40, anyway, however old he is, he, uh, yeah, obviously he doesn't take care of his health, obviously. He's, yeah. So, anyway, yeah, they're attacking him about uh, some photo they got of him not wearing a mask. He's not wearing a mask. Just endangering uh, people around him. So, um, yeah, there's that, but... Uh, yeah, Mina. I mean, she she tweeted. There's there. She tweets it out. And here here's the here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. Here's what it boils down to. We cannot enjoy an evening of football, the Super Bowl, with our family and friends without it somehow. And we saw this all night long, and now we're seeing it online. Without it somehow, all becoming about race and equity and justice, everything. Everything is about race. Every moment, every event, everything. Joe Biden, he, he chimes in. There was an interview he had uh, uh, on the Westwood One broadcast uh, on radio. Uh, I don't, uh, yeah, the, the TV, now it wasn't part of the TV thing. We were watching the, uh, yeah, the halftime show. Uh, so... <laughs> Oh man! Anyway, the uh, but on radio there was an interview with Biden, Joe Biden, uh, and of course during that interview he complains that there are not enough black head coaches and just laments that uh, NFL has to do a better job uh, having black head coaches. Now. Whether there's validity to that or not, it's just. I, I still I make I make the point. It's just like, can we just get through the night of the Super Bowl, right? Just get, just get through the night and just as a nation, right? Black, white, yellow, rich, poor, educated, uneducated, laborer, you know, a management elite, <laughs> whoever you happen to be, everybody. Can we just tune in to the Super Bowl and just enjoy it together? Something unifying. Something unifying, right? Let the only division be that th these folks are, are cheering for Kansas City, right? And these people are, are cheering for the Bucks. Let, uh, you know, that's it. That's it. Uh, so, but no, no, every, every thing. So, folks, there's a book that you need to buy, and it's called Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian dissidents by Rod Dreher. I highly recommend the book. I'm going to get it for friends of mine. In fact, I attempted to give it away to a friend of mine at lunch today. He already had it. 
Already had it. Already was in a book club reading it. Live Not By Lies, a manual for Christian descendants, or dissidents. Uh, Rod Dreher, D-R-E-H-E-R. Okay? Now, in the, I bring up this book uh, because, number one, you need to get it. But number two, um, I'm gonna, I'd like to read uh, something that he wrote uh, in light of what we're talking about, about everything, right? Every moment, every event, everything being somehow about wokeness, all right? I want to read you something from this book. This is page 39. He's going to make reference, by the way, here to a, a person named Arndt, or Arndt. It's A-R-E-N-D-T, Arndt. And so when you hear that word, it's an author. And she wrote a book back in 1951 called The Origins of Totalitarianism, in which it was after World War II, and she looked at, at Soviet Union, she looked at, at Germany, whether fascism or communism, she was asking how in the world did these ideologies just overtake the entire country? It's called The Origins of Totalitarianism. He'll, he'll reference this lady named Hannah Arendt. So when you hear that word, it'd be like, you don't have to say, what did he say? Did he say orange? He said orange. Didn't, no, he said orange. Like, anyway, so it, anyways, it's an author. Um, but anyway, this is what uh, Rod Dreher is, is writing on page 39. It says, one of contemporary progressivism's commonly used phrases, the personal is political, captures the totalitarian spirit which seeks to infuse all aspects of life with political consciousness. Indeed, the left pushes its ideology ever deeper into the personal realm, leaving fewer and fewer areas of daily life uncontested. This, warned Arend, is a sign that a society is ripening for totalitarianism, because that is what totalitarianism essentially is, the politicization of everything, infusing every aspect of life with ideology is a standard aspect of Soviet totalitarianism. Early in the Stalin era, N.V. Krylenko, a Soviet commissar, which is like a political officer, steamrolled over chess players who wanted to keep politics out of the game. Let me just pause here. One more paragraph to go, but we'll pause. So just imagine it. I mean, here's, here's a society that uh, the Soviets, that just uh, the Russians, they just they left chess, right? That's where the world champions come from, all that. And, uh, and so they just wanted to sit there and have a game of chess Right? Can we just simply have a game of chess and not have to get embroiled in politics? Right? Now, can you imagine? And th think about this, even from this, the past few months, right, here in the United States. It's like, can we find some sphere where we can just sit down and have some common activity, have a little fun, have a little distraction, and just let's don't, let's, we're just going to agree politics doesn't have anything to do with it. All right? That's all they were looking for. Now, I continue in Rod Dreher's book, Live Not By Lies, page 39. And now he's going to quote this Soviet commissar named Krylenko. All right? This is early in the Stalin era. Quote, 
we must finish once and for all the neutrality of chess, Krylenko said. Quote, we must condemn once and for all the formula chess for the sake of chess. Like the formula art for the sake of art's sake. We must organize stock brigades of chess players and begin immediate realization of a five-year plan for chess, end quote. Wow. That's what it's, and you're seeing it happen right here in the United States of America. It is the infusing of everything, everything, with a woke agenda, right? You're, you're, you're going to have to be force-fed this and eventually force-agree with this in every aspect of life. And just as they had a five-year, literally had a five-year plan to, to de-neutralize chess. I mean, here, here we, we can't even enjoy the Super Bowl. Man, I had no idea I was going to go from uh, <laughs> I had no idea I was going to go from voo mugs to this. Anyway, um, so guys, uh, today, girls, everyone, uh, <laughs> all right. So three segments today. Three segments today: Wyoming, California, and occupied DC. All right, <laughs> we'll be back with California or Wyoming, California, and occupied D.C. right after this. All right, welcome back, everybody, to segment number one, Wyoming. That's right, we take you out to Wyoming uh, and to this story from Forbes Online, Forbes.com, and a story published on February 6th uh, by Andrew Solander, And here's the headline. Wyoming GOP calls for Liz Cheney to resign and repay donations in scorched earth censure. Top line. The Wyoming GOP on Saturday passed a scathing censure of House GOP conference chair Liz Cheney for for voting last month to impeach former President Donald Trump making her just the latest in a string of Republicans formally sanctioned by their state parties for breaking with the ex-president. Key facts. The resolution passed overwhelmingly, according to Party Secretary April Poley, the finance director for one of Cheney's primary challengers, who told Forbes there were an estimated 56 votes in favor and eight against, though no official tally was taken. The resolution calls on Cheney to immediately, immediately resign and allow the party to nominate her replacement, as well as demanding she return donations made by the party to her for her 2020 campaign, according to a copy obtained by, uh, by Forbes. So uh, anyway, this, um, <laughs> these, folks, uh, these folks in Wyoming, I mean, I'm kind of liking Wyoming. Uh, it's a state I've never been to. And, uh, but, uh, I'm, I'm kind of liking Wyoming and it's, uh, by the way, a good example of making politics local. She has a particular role related to Wyoming politics, Liz Cheney. And so they are taking on 
at the local aspect, their ability, wherever they can speak into it, they're taking whatever sphere they've got, they're using what sphere they've got uh, to make their voices known there in Wyoming. Despite what the national party is doing, despite what the Congress, U.S. Congress is doing relative to Liz Cheney, the local folks are, are doing their thing. And so I applaud them. I applaud them for it. Her comments were so egregious as it relates to President Trump that the impeachment, article of impeachment, literally quotes her on page two. On page two. They use her, her quotes on page two of their uh, impeachment document. And so Wyoming waves in, waves in. All right, secondly, we, Wyoming, secondly, California. That's right, we take you all the way to the West Coast to California where we bring you this headline from the Christian Post. This story from Leonardo Blair, a Christian Post reporter, and the headline is this, California to revise indoor church guidelines after Supreme Court ruling. All right, so uh, here's a couple paragraphs. The office of the governor, uh, California governor, Gavin Newsom, said the state will soon issue revised guidelines for indoor worship services after the Supreme Court granted an emergency injunction against a public health ban on the practice of indoor worship, but kept restrictions on singing, chanting, and crowd size in place. Quote, this is according to uh, Daniel Lopez, the uh, governor's uh, press secretary. It says, we will continue to enforce the restrictions the Supreme Court left in place, and after reviewing the decision, we will issue revised guidelines for worship services to continue to protect the lives of Californians, end quote. Uh, in South Bay United Pentecostal Church versus Newsom, the church challenged the Calif Ch California's total ban on indoor services in areas where cases are serving, surging and 25% limit on indoor services where they are allowed and a ban on singing and chanting during those services. In a 6-3 decision late Friday, all three liberal judges Breyer, Sotomayor, and Kagan voted against the church, while Chief Justice John Roberts stood with a conservative majority. All right, so, and then Roberts wrote this, the state has concluded, for example, that singing indoors poses a heightened risk of transmitting COVID-19. I see no basis in this record for overriding that aspect of the state public health framework. At the same time, the state's present determination that the maximum number of adherents who can safely worship in the most cavernous cathedral is zero, appears to reflect not expertise or discretion, but instead insufficient appreciation or consideration of the interests at stake. All right, so 6-3, uh, siding in favor of the, uh, of the church, at least in its ability to meet and uh, so that uh, they're having to kind of revise their guidelines out there in California. Now we take you to Occupied DC. Occupied DC, segment three. Now, folks, I bring you this from American Military News and a story uh, by uh, Ryan Morgan. And 
This actually is a couple weeks old, but here's what it says. 5,000 U.S. troops staying in D.C. through mid-March to support Capitol Police and Secret Service to guard against a future threat that no one has specifically identified. Now, uh, if looking back, saying, oh, well, we have to be here to protect against uh, things like what happened on January 6th, uh, what's coming out, and it's going to all come out, what's coming out now is the fact that President Trump had for several weeks, in fact months, offered to the D.C. mayor uh, the presence of National Guard troops to help with anything related to the safety of the city and had been turned down. I bring you this audio from uh, former uh, Chief of Staff Mark Meadows appearing on Fox News. Listen to what he had to say. But we also know this, help was offered multiple times, not just in January, but throughout the summer with the D.C. mayor saying that the president stood by willing to offer a National Guard assistance, other assistance, and often, in fact, every time was rebuked and said, no, we can go it alone. And so they, they do need to get to the bottom of it, and hopefully we'll, we'll see that in the very near future. And there you have it, former chief of staff, Mark Meadows on Fox News. Once again, not only did the president call on those that were gathered there that day on the 6th to let their voices be heard peaceably, but now we're finding that uh, it was the president who offered the National Guard, not only that on that day, but on many days before and had been rebuked and told, uh, no, we don't need your help. I guess they did in the end from the crazies. Uh, who we saw on TV. All right. Uh, well, folks, uh, the big news of the week, of course, is that impeachment 2.0 uh, starts uh, tomorrow. Much more on that on Wednesday and Friday. I'll just say this, and that is uh, I totally agree with uh, Senator Rand Paul, uh, who also was on Fox, and uh, he called the imp uh, impeachment uh, starting tomorrow, quote, a partisan farce, Rand Paul of Kentucky, uh, he said that it's not possible that, that Trump will be convicted. He said, quote, there's zero chance of conviction. And he said 45 Republicans have said it's not even a legitimate pr proceeding. So, how, so it's really over before it starts. All right? So it's unconstitutional. That's what it is. We'll talk more about that on, uh, on Wednesday and Friday. Now, I want to close with this. I think now is a time when we need to have our hearts settled. And one of the uh, places that we do that, of course, is in prayer, in prayer with our God, right? And so he's invited us to be in his presence and come before his uh, throne of grace uh, to find uh, help in times of need. And one of the ways I do that is I uh, subscribe to a daily devotional, which includes a daily prayer. And uh, you can just type in primetimewithgod.org, primetimewithgod.org. You can sign up and get it for yourself. There's a devotion, a brief devotional. Right now it's on names of God and aspects of, uh, of the Lord. And, uh, and then there's a prayer. So here's an example of uh, today's prayer. It says, good morning, Woody. Uh, here is today's prayer. Dear Father God, you are my refuge and my strength. And then it quotes Psalm 62, 7. 
In God is my salvation and my glory, the rock of my strength, and my refuge is in God. Psalm 62, 7. I run to you for shelter, and you fill me with peace. You are the only one who is totally trustworthy. You are great, mighty, and awesome. You will never fail me. With you, I am never alone, and you will never leave me. Please protect me, protect my mind, and protect my body from the evil in this world today. I trust you to guide me and to be near me no matter what happens. In you, I have strength and stability. I trust you and your promises. Thank you in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Well, that was today's prayer, and their prayers are just like that, a different prayer every day. You can sign up for it uh, at primetimewithgod.org. And so uh, I encourage you to do it and uh, allow your heart to be settled uh, with the Lord in prayer. All right, guys, God bless you all, and uh, share, if you will, uh, this podcast, and then uh, like and download, do those things, and I'll see you guys back for VU 73 on Wednesday. God bless you. Bye-bye.